right, folks, welcome into the Orange and Brown Report podcast. I am your host, Jared Mueller. Good morning. We are in the five o'clock hour of Wednesday, March 10th, a week from when the NFL season or off season is officially supposed to start. But as we know, a lot of things have happened since already. So, And we know a lot of things are going to happen on Monday when, quote-unquote, tampering is available. So I hope you are doing well whenever you are listening to this, whether it's when it gets posted somewhere in the 6 o'clock hour and you're getting your first sip of coffee like I'm about to do, or it is uh, later in the afternoon during lunch while you're out on a run in what's supposed to be a beautiful day in the great state of Ohio for most parts. Hope you're doing well. Want to spend a little bit of time to start off today just talking through some of the moves that uh, specifically were made yesterday uh, in the NFL. There were some obviously moves made before and they kind of all run together, but it's a lot to keep up with. So I think it's important just to kind of make sure we're all on the same page about where things stand uh, going into really what seems like it's going to continue to be some busy time. So let's first start with the franchise tag tracker. And so uh, I am using our partners at C. CBS Sports have a great tracker list. Make sure that you uh, check them out. Uh, Everybody except for Dak Prescott was tagged with a non-exclusive tag, which means uh, that other teams can negotiate with them but would have to give up uh, two first-round picks in exchange for them unless a trade was worked out between the two teams. So at some level, uh, it's... It's like they're off the board unless the team is specifically calling saying, hey, this player, uh, we are looking to trade them. We'll give them to you for blah, 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 as long as you can work out a deal. Whatever that looks like as they work with their players. Uh, but that's a, uh, a rarity. That doesn't happen on, an off, on a regular basis. Because for a lot of teams, paying big money is one thing. Paying big money and paying decent compensation in a trade is a different discussion, right? So uh, we just need to talk through it. So again, list from CBS Sports uh, real quickly, and I'm going to go in their order. And the first one stings, Browns fans. Somehow the New Orleans Saints have franchise tag safety Marcus Williams. We're going to talk about the Saints here in just a little bit, but Marcus Williams was my number one Number one target uh, in the secondary. I thought he would be a perfect safety fit alongside Ronnie Harrison and Grant Delpit. I do think and I do love the idea of the Browns uh, having three starting safeties uh, rather than having an extra linebacker on the field. I also think it gives them some flexibility uh, with slot corner when you have three guys who can not saying we want them to on a regular basis, all of them, but who can come down and uh, cover the tight end, cover uh, some slot receivers, those kind of things. Marcus Williams was my number one corner or safety um candidate, my secondary candidate. Obviously, there are a lot of other players uh, on edge that I was interested in, but I thought Marcus Williams, even more so than, uh, let's say, Shaquille Griffin, uh, the cornerback out of Seattle, I thought a safety may have a larger impact on this team than could a corner, not that they may not need a corner more, uh, just looking at pure impact, I thought a safety could be a bigger impact. So Marcus Williams off the board. Oh, look at that. Denver Broncos, Justin Simmons, another safety. He'd be tagged for the second year in a row. They're going to pay him a bunch of money. 
And so that'll be interesting uh, for them if they can work out a long-term deal with Simmons, who most uh, believe is the best or one of the best safeties in the league. Carolina, Taylor Moten, offensive tackle, not really something the Browns would be worried about. And then we get another one. So Marcus May, free safety uh, for the New York Jets, was also tagged. So now you have uh, three free safeties very, very quickly off the board. Uh, It is a a somewhat deep free agent class, but that doesn't mean uh, these three don't matter. Right. They do. They absolutely matter because the depth is hit. And that means the other free safeties that are available, uh, as we have talked about on the OBR during our defensive back week uh, and safety week, uh, just will ask for more money there. The supply and demand may not be there the way the Browns were hoping so that if they missed out on maybe their top target, which could have been Williams, could have been Simmons, could have been May, that they would have a decently inexpensive uh, backup plan. So Marcus May is off the board uh, with the Jets. The Giants franchise tag Leonard Williams again. Uh, that is somebody that they really you know, they're they're kind of stuck themselves by dealing a uh, third. I believe it was a third round pick uh, for Williams from the Jets when he was going to become a free agent. Uh, so this is the second year in a row that they have been forced to put a franchise tag on him. Uh, and again, they're going to have to work on a long term deal with him. They would like to do that, but uh, it's going to be a lot of money. He is someone who had a breakout year last year. And they're going to have to figure out how to do that. Uh, the Washington football team, Brandon Sheriff, Brandon Scherf, uh, the offensive guard, uh, they are tagging him for the second year in a row. Tampa Bay, Chris Godwin, the wide receiver, is getting tagged. Um, again, maybe, obviously, if the Browns moved on from a Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., Godwin could have been someone that they looked at. Unlikely, uh, but someone that they could have looked at. Probably not, given that they have those two receivers and it doesn't seem like they're moving on from them. Cam Robinson, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Urban Meyer wanting to have some kind of offensive line help uh, in front of what is assumed to be Trevor Lawrence. And then finally, the Chicago Bears with Allen Robinson. Again, another wide receiver off the board. Another position that many think the Browns might spend some money on or look to improve in free agency. I'm not so sure of that. Uh, but anything is possible. Uh, And Allen Robinson is, again, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL and continues to be stuck with what seems like mediocre or less quarterback play throughout his career with Blake Bortles and then everything that happened in Chicago with Trubisky, Nick Foles. uh, And I believe he was there when Mike Glennon was signed, um, back in the day with John Fox as the coach before Matt Nagy took over. So um, again, for the Browns, the impact really is at the wide receiver position and more importantly at the free safety position with all of those players off the board. It changes things for free agency, uh, some players they may have targeted. uh, And then again, just the depth of those positions are all of a sudden they're just not there, right? And we expect that at at some level in in franchise tags. What was interesting is how late a lot of these went as teams were unsure of what was going to happen with the salary cap. So those are the tags, but that the NFL didn't end there, right? Moves continue to be made. So we have that um, the Titans have released uh, Malcolm Butler. We know that Levante David signed a really a two-year, $25 million extension, and then he has these three voidable years, which you'll learn more about throughout this offseason. But the basics of it is that you add these fake years that allow the, the cap hit to spread out, but you're, you don't assume that, that those three years aren't going to happen, but you're going to have cap hits. So you're going to have dead money 
in, in literally for three consecutive years. So David signed for the 2021 season, 2022 season, but his cap hit is spread out over five years instead of two years. So those last three years, unless a new deal gets done, and even if a new deal gets done, um, there'll still be a cap hit there. It's something we've seen in New Orleans with Drew Brees. Uh, there's just a lot going on there. Um, the Vikings cut kicker Dan Bailey. Kickers are the weirdest one of the weirdest positions in the NFL, kind of like relief pitchers in Major League Baseball has been my example over time is is it just changes, right? Like here and there, like you just never know, like a kicker can be really good. And then all of a sudden, middle of the year, they're terrible or the next season, they're terrible or three years later, they're terrible. Like there is just a lot that goes on there. And then uh, former Bears offensive lineman and three time pro bowler Kyle Long is uh, planning a comeback. Um, so there's a lot uh there should be a lot of interest there in a uh, at a position where there is not a lot of talent on the offensive line. One of the big franchise tags that didn't happen uh, is that Kenny Galladay, the uh, wide receiver out of uh, Detroit, who's a little bit older coming off of his rookie contract, I believe he's 28 or about to turn 28, um, did not get a franchise tag. So he is on the market, which is a little bit of a surprise. And then the one other move that happened recently is the Raiders traded Trent Brown back to New England. Uh, it was a very cheap trade. Um, and so it's interesting to see. It. Brown was on a, on a big contract. They, they moved around some money a little bit. But basically for a swap of picks, the, the Patriots got a starting offensive tackle. Right? That's what, so it's really interesting. We got a lot of franchise tags. But it looks like we're going to see a lot of veterans cut. Malcolm Butler is an example of that, you know, in, and hopefully swimming in, not hopefully, probably swimming in some people's heads is could the Browns just swipe up Malcolm Butler and Stefan Gilmore trade with the Patriots and all of a sudden have this more physical team with some more versatility with, you know, both Butler and Gilmore able to play corner safety, move some people around and, and do that really on the cheap uh, for the next couple of years as they kind of open their window so they can spend bigger money maybe on the edge, right? So can they get Butler, um, you know, for a, a, a relatively cheap contract to rejoin Stefan Gilmore off of a relatively cheap trade um, and then, you know, go for a big splash with a Carl Lawson or uh, Yannick Ngakwe or, you know, any of those kind of players. It's really an interesting concept. It's really a lot of players that are out there. Uh, But again, a Trent Brown trade from the Raiders to the New England Patriots came pretty cheap, right? Came pretty cheap. So it'll be interesting. Again, this is going to be a weird offseason. And I'm going to talk about um, in just a second what what I think Andrew Barry's kind of salary cap plan might be. Um, because we there's there's some other things that have happened. Uh, the Dak Prescott uh, long-term contract was a pretty big one. Um, that actually plays a little bit into what I think Andrew Barry's salary cap plan could be. But the Browns made their first kind of major move, and that was cutting Adrian Claiborne. And so something that was kind of a surprise to all of us, $3 million for a veteran. Andrew Berry signed him last year. So this wasn't a case of getting rid of John Dorsey's players or anything like that. Uh, Claiborne was useful. He wasn't, uh, for what he was getting paid and, and what they wanted him to do, he wasn't going to be some kind of stud player. Like that wasn't the expectation, but he was a useful veteran depth piece. $3 million is $3 million. Um, but it's interesting, you know, what does that say about, Curtis Weaver, 
what does that say about Port Augustine, the restricted free agent that they um, put a tender and an offer sheet on for? Uh, what does that mean? What does that mean for them? Do they see Curtis Weaver and or Porter Gustin as as their third defensive end? Do they see them as their second defensive? You know, where do they kind of spot them in on the edge across from Miles Garrett, right? What does that look like? Because for all of our expectations, just given that his salary cap number wasn't that great, the thought was that Adrian Claiborne, Curtis Weaver, Porter Gustin would be three, four, and five right? Maybe four or five and six with some versatility to move inside. Like there's some options there. So it was kind of the expectation that the, that's kind of what it would look like. And the Browns would add an edge or two, either, either, or in free agency or the draft, but now Claiborne is gone. And so that means you have miles Garrett and then kind of down the line, you've got that Curtis Weaver, Porter Augustine, Joe Jackson group, which if we thought they were going to be three, four, and five, or I'm sorry, four, five, and six, now are they three, four, and five? Or do the Browns have a desperate need at edge now even more so for a two and a three? Does that mean that um, Andrew Berry knows what he's going to spend his money on? Or was it just about Claiborne, right? So we oftentimes read into things. And when we read into things, we're like, oh, he did this because this, this, and this. When the reality could be, the Browns looked at Adrian Claiborne and did not believe he was worth his $3 million salary, uh, or 3.5 actually, they, they have 5, 0.5, they have a half a million dollars in dead cap, save $3 million on the cap. It could just be about Claiborne, right? So folks, we want to make sure we don't always assume, right, that, that it means something more. Now, it seems like it should mean something more. Right. You get rid of who probably would have been your starting edge if the season started today because you have nobody else there. You get rid of him. It's only three million dollars. It feels like it should mean something else, but it could just be didn't have the production. Coaches didn't like certain things. And then, at you know, for saving three million dollars, they're going to make that move. Right. That's what it could mean. We'll see what it really means when we can play the whole offseason off. Before I get into talking about the Saints salary cap and what I think Andrew Berry's salary cap plan uh, moving forward might be, let's pause here for a word from our sponsors. So here's where I am very, very confused about the New Orleans Saints and a little bit confused about how the NFL works from what I understood, and it seems like I'm actually wrong about this. To be able to put a franchise tag on somebody, you needed to have the cap space for that franchise tag. For the New Orleans Saints, Marcus Williams' franchise tag is a little north of $11 million, right? So to use your franchise tag, you know, you have to, by the time the league year opens, so they still have a little bit of time next Wednesday, so a week from now, they need to be able to be there that they can afford that $11 million tag because the reality is, is that Marcus Williams can sign that tag now and that's his contract and then they can work on an extension. They can do a lot of different things, but he can sign that tag right now or, you know, next Wednesday. But the New Orleans Saints are, uh, and I want to be, I want to use both because I love both, Spotrack, which has some really interesting ways of <clears throat> looking at things, letting fans do things, all kinds of stuff, has New Orleans Saints over $55 million in the negative in salary cap. Uh, yeah, you heard that right. Over $55 million in the negative. Just so we talk about it, they have the Browns just under 27. Okay, so just so you know, uh, positive, right? But the New Orleans Saints have to basically lop off or figure out how to find $55 million in salary 
to get to zero. That's before Marcus Williams' $11 million. Now, obviously, they're hoping to extend him. Uh, obviously, they you would think they have some kind of plan. But the Saints, again, according to Spotrack, again, Spotrack.com, it's S-P-O-T-R-A-C.com. Uh, they are $55 million, And over the cap has them at negative $58 million. Just above them is the Rams at negative 35, the Eagles at negative 31, the Chiefs at negative 22, Bears at negative 19, Falcons negative 15, Packers negative 11, Giants negative 11, Bucks negative 7, so on and so forth. What's really interesting about that is that's like an every other good team, bad team thing, right? So you have the Giants, the Falcons, and the Bears, and the Eagles all double-digit negatives. Some of those are easy to figure out, and they'll do a really good job of that pretty quickly. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but then you have all the good. You have these good teams: the Saints, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Packers, right? The Bucks um, that are in the negative as well. But negative fifty-eight or negative fifty-five million. Somehow, literally at a very base level, they've added another an, an eleven million to that, right? So, at just as it is. That means they're at negative 69 or negative 66 because of the Marcus Williams. I don't know how that works. All right. I'm not going to pretend to understand all the nuances of the salary cap because I'm not sure anybody but accountants and like high level math people really understand this. But what it does tell me, here's what it does tell me. The salary cap is kind of a myth. By the way, over the cap only has the Browns at 22 million, almost 23. So... Uh, let's go with Spotrack for that one. Let's just hope that's right. Uh, that'll all get worked out. It's all details. But here's the reality. I believe the salary cap is a myth because the Saints have been doing this for years. The Saints have been in quote unquote salary cap hell for, I don't know, five to 10 years, somewhere in that range where it's like, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to get out of this? How is this possible? <clears throat> and somehow they're now almost negative 60 million and added another 11 million to that with the Marcus Williams uh, franchise tag. And yet they're still functional, right? What they've done is, and, and what good teams do is when you have salary cap space, you use it and you push things off while you're in your Super Bowl window, right? So with Drew Brees, with the talent they have, they have pushed everything downhill. Now, is it going downhill? Absolutely. Was last year negative 30? I have no I don't remember, but I remember they were still in, oh my goodness, how are they going to do this? So they pushed things farther. Now it's almost negative 60. Are they going to push things farther? We're going to find out. But good teams do it until they're not good anymore. And then they, they're terrible for a couple years while they live in, you know, they're just dealing with terrible players, not terrible players. They're dealing with young players. They're trying to recoup draft picks, right? It's a lot of what we saw with the Cleveland Cavaliers and with LeBron James. You just, you go all in and then you figure out rebuild later. You don't hold on. Now they did a little bit at the end. They held on to that number eight pick and got Colin Sexton. And some of you are Cavs fans. Some of you don't care at all. Um, but it's hard in the NFL. If you're good, you just keep kicking the can, right? The Tampa Bay Bucks generally aren't a team that likes to kick the can down the road, likes to push things off. But we already talked about their Levante David contract, right? They're literally, unless things work out, and, and at some level, the way I understand voidable years, even if they extend him, those voidable years still play a role in their salary cap. But if not, they're going to have him for two more years into like year 30, when he's 33, 34 years old. Um, and then 
in the three years after that, so 2023, 24, and 25, they're still going to have significant salary cap hit for Levante David for this contract. Even if they sign him again, that's what's happened with Drew Brees. They push things off. They have voidable years. And then uh, there's been times he restructured his contract to allow it. But at one point, he was expected to have about $30 million on the same salary cap this year, even if he didn't play. Like, that's crazy. And we still don't even know if he's going to play, right? So there's just a lot there. And so the Saints tell me that the salary cap is not real. That doesn't mean in five, ten years the Browns might not get where the Saints are. And that at some point uh, that they may not have to just kind of tear it down. But the tear it down, fine, right? You pay for that tear it down later because you're good now. Right, you, you you go all in, you figure it out, you put your money where your mouth is, and you try to compete. The Saints have done it for a long time. The the Rams have been good the last few years under Sean McVay, and they're at negative thirty five. The Eagles were good, and now they're at negative thirty one. The Chiefs are good, negative twenty two. I don't know what the Bears are doing. The Falcons had some good years. Obviously the Packers are good. Again, don't know what the Giants are doing with Dave Gettleman, but the reality is, is that the salary cap in and of itself is not real. It's the impact down the road is at some point you pay the piper. You do, right? No different than some of us are paying the piper for college decisions, right? And a little too much fun here and there or whatever it is. Or some of us pay the price because we just stay up late to watch a game or to watch something. And then we're really tired the next morning. You pay the price. Well, Teams are going to pay the price at some point in time. But the Saints, who had no idea that Drew Brees was going to be good until and playing in his 40s, are, are paying the price. And they're willing to pay the price down the road because he's been good. Well, the Browns are just starting their window, right? This year they have, most people think they're going to end up uh, right around $30 million. It'll be interesting whether or not Andrew Barry um, has contract restructures available to him if he's able to make some moves, right? So it's possible that Andrew Barry and Odo Beckham Jr.'s agent have talked. Andrew Barry and Jarvis Landry's agents have talked uh, because pure restructure are very simple. The player gets more money up front. The team gets to stretch things out over a couple years instead of one. The player still gets the same amount of money, but the team gets to push back their cap hit. A little bit. So, uh, if I remember from uh, either Spo Tracker over the over the uh, cap, you know we can get the Browns real easily with simple restructures. We can get the Browns to almost forty million dollars, some thirty six, thirty seven million dollars, just by simple restructures with Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry. But here's the thing: the Browns may not do that unless they're going to use the money, unless they they find the right players at the right price, and they need those restructures. Because if not, then they don't have to push those cap hits to the next year or so because they just don't need to, right? So, um, you know, simple restructures with either Jarvis or OBJ or both. Uh, they could do a, some kind of contract extension with Sheldon Richardson, who right now is about $13 million against the cap. Um, they don't want to get rid of him. They don't have a lot of talent in the middle. But if they can extend him for a year or two, um, change up the money a little bit, maybe get a little bit cheaper overall. You know, let's say he's making 9 to $10 million instead of 13 uh, but he's making two years of that instead of just 13 So for him, he makes, you know, an extra seven, eight million dollars. Um, but he, you know, it's, it's over two years instead of one year and the cap and all that stuff, you know, the Browns can do a lot of things to massage, but they, they only want to do that. They only want to kick the can as it were, if they need to, 
right? That's that's what we're talking about. So let me tell you what I think Andrew Berry's should, maybe will think. The, the Browns have, you know, let's just say they get to around $30 million in cap space. I think Andrew Berry could look at this year's $30 million as I'm going to spend it and worry about the Baker Mayfield extension, the Denzel Ward extension, Nick Chubb, Wyatt Teller, you know, those, you know, those are kind of the big four that they, they need to or want to work on an extension for. He can kind of, maybe he looks at those and says, well, you know, we know these uh, TV deals are going. We, we think, and a lot of people assume that Jerry Jones's um, Dak Prescott contract is a sign that he knows that these, these TV deals are going to be pretty darn big and he knows that the cap is going to inflate pretty quickly. So Jerry Jones is okay with signing Dak Prescott basically to the biggest contract. Sorry, the largest contract, whatever it is. I know Patrick Mahomes is a half a billion dollars, but uh, Prescott's deal is pretty darn impressive for the short time that it is and then allows him to become a free agent again in four years when that salary cap may be much higher. But the thought is that Jerry Jones was willing to do that because he knows what those contracts are going to be. He's in on those negotiations. Jimmy Haslam may not be. We know Jerry Jones is. Jerry Jones is OG of the NFL. Nothing really happens in the NFL unless Jerry Jones says so. So Andrew Barry can be looking at, you know what? I'm going to get the players this year when other people don't have cap space. I'm going to get them now. I'm going to use this cap space for them. And then I'm going to use this increasing cap space for all these extensions. Listen, at some point in time, the Browns will stop being players for big time players, right? At some point in time, they're going to sign, you know, Ward and Mayfield and maybe Chubb and maybe Teller and, you know, down the, you know, who knows, David and Joku, who knows what, where they go and that and what direction they go in. You know, at some point they're going to have to make decisions about players they just drafted. You know, Grant Delpit is only a four year deal, right? Because that's what happens in the second round. Um, Jedrick Wills, hopefully, you know, in a few years, they're going to be looking to extend him. But, but Andrew Barry can look at this year's cap as his to use, to spend, to, to buoy the team one more time with the belief that the cap is going to rise pretty significantly. And then he uses that rises pretty significantly to add, add the extensions to the players that he wants to add, right? Cause that's always been everybody's worry. Uh, everybody who believes the salary cap is real, which is understandable because we talk about it all the time and Spo tracking over the, over the cap are all really popular because of that. Um, and there is reality to it, but it's not real right now. It's real for later, all that kind of stuff is, is the worry was if you spend now, you don't have the money for later and for those extensions and we can't lose those players. Well, I think Andrew Barry can see the writing on the wall with a salary cap going up with the TV deals and, and hopefully getting fans back in the stadiums and all that stuff and go, listen, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get a Malcolm Butler. I'm going to trade for a Stephon Gilmore. I'm going to extend his contract a little bit, give him, you know, what he's looking for. And then I'm going to, I'm going to sign Carl Lawson to a big deal. Uh, maybe even take a run at a uh, Shaquille Griffin. And so, you know, or I've already taken care of my secondary with those two moves. And so Lawson, uh, maybe I try to find somebody on the interior of the defensive line, or I go after a Rashard Perryman to add speed on the outside in my offense. 
Um, you know, we don't know. We don't know what direction he's going to go, but we do know that he has cap space now, and he can start to assume that he's going to have more cap space later. There are people talking about in five years, the salary cap could be around $250 million. This year, it's expected to be about 182, right? To give you some perspective, this year, it's expected to be about $182 million. People are believing that in about five years or so, it'll be about $250 million. That's a lot of cheddar, right? That's a lot of money. That is basically $70 million in the next five years of an increase. So if you're looking at a Baker Mayfield contract, a Ward contract, uh, a Wyatt Teller, even a Nick Chubb, you're looking at it going, okay, so if it increases, you know, do 75 divided by five and you get $15 million a year, well, that's $15 million in cap space, not real money, not salary, cap space. So again, like we talked about with spreading out signing bonuses and all that kind of stuff, that's a, that can be done in a million different ways. $15 million a year in increase can really set the Browns up to be successful long term. So let's go ahead and get a couple of players this year. Let's use some of our cap space this year. And then let's use and, and trust in the uh, increasing salary cap because of these TV deals that are being negotiated as we speak. And there's a lot of hope that they'll be done before Wednesday, but let's use those for the future. The Browns are one of the good teams, the quality teams, right? We look at, you know, the Browns again for Spotrack, the Browns have the 13th most salary cap above them. Niners, Chargers, Texans, Broncos, Dolphins, Raiders, Washington, Bengals, Colts, Jets, Patriots, and Jags. The only one that is currently good is the Colts, and they don't really love to spend uh, their salary cap money. So are the Browns, and the Ravens are right below the Browns. Seattle's right below the Browns. Um, so those are two quality teams that are near Cleveland uh, in salary cap space, at least as of now, according to Spotrack. The Browns are one of the only teams who can maybe take advantage of this, who can take advantage of the flat cap and say, you know what, but we're going to spend. We're going to spend because we believe this cap is going to go up pretty significantly over the next five years. That'll allow us to fit in our extensions, but let us spend now instead of uh, assuming small incremental growth, which is what we've seen over the last few years, which are more about, you know, five million or so instead of the 15 million or so the Browns can maybe assume that in and can be one of the one of the actual quality teams who can make some decent offers to multiple players. And it'll be interesting to see if Andrew Barry does just that. Again, please check everything out at theobr.com, part of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports. A lot of good stuff going up. Um, I have been, I'll just be blunt with all of you, uh, I'm always pretty honest. I have been really struggling with sleep. Um, I don't know why. It's not physical. It's not mental. I just can't sleep, uh, which has really affected my mental capacity, which is why I'm recording now at 6.17 on Wednesday morning. Uh, I just have not been able to I barely, basically barely been able to make it to work and then just really exhausted. And like I had to call in a to-go order last night. I could barely make the order. Don't know why I can't explain it. going to figure it out. Um, but I apologize for the lack of stuff up from me, <clears throat> but we have a great team. Uh, and the, that's the good thing is that when one of us are, are struggling a little bit, you know, the guys are taking, handling their business, Jake and Steven and Fred and um, Johnny and Cody. Uh, and I feel like I'm missing folks because um, that's where I'm at. Uh, but, you know, we have the great graphics by Seth and then Brad and Lane are just been killing it in Rumor Central for and uh, Ask the Insiders for our subscribers. So make sure you go over to the OBR.com. Uh, 
uh, check everything out. We are in linebacker week. Uh, I'm going to work on some stuff uh, later this morning to try to get a couple pieces together uh, with as whatever energy I have, as well as obviously working. Uh, so uh, that is what I will try to do for you good folks. Thank you for stopping by the OBR. My name is Jared Mueller. You can get a hold of me on Twitter at Jared K. Mueller. That's J-A-R-E-D-K-M-U-E-L-L-E-R. And again, at the OBR or the OBR.com for the amazing stuff we are putting up on a daily basis. Thank you guys for stopping by. And as always, please take care of yourself, take care of others, and go Browns.